All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I just found myself to be like furious today. Oh, yeah. One of those days. You just had, yeah, you just kind of running red today. It's like, oh, fuck, ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like no matter what anyone could tell me, it just wasn't what I wanted to hear. Oh, God, I have a lot of those days. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So I mean, this, this could be fun. You could, uh, you could be like really on edge today. No, I'm good now. Actually making notes for the show kind of like brought me, <laughs> brought me back into it. Great. I wonder if we have any overlap in, in, in certain things we want to talk about. I, I first wanted to discuss um, potential Knives Out sequel titles with you because this was heavily tweeted about in the last week. And yeah. I, I think it's a rich area. Uh, the sequel titles? Yes. Not, Kn- knives Out 2, Knives In, Knives <laughs> Up, Forks Out. Knives uh, Out Again is the first one that comes to mind. Two Knives, Two Furious, <laughs> Two Out. <laughs> <laughs> two Out, Two Furious. Um, knives Out, uh, Revenge of the Swiss Army. Okay, yeah. Knives Out, um, um, 10,000 Spoons When All You Need Is a Knife. What about Pocket Knife? Pocket, okay. The, the Knives Out prequel. Uh, I like that. <laughs> We get to figure out how uh, Inspector Blanc got to be this way. It could be like uh, a play on a specific type of knife, like knife, knives out dagger season. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or uh, knives out stabbed again. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a rich area. Yeah, you're right. I look forward to you're this. Right. Plenty of titles that we could come up with there. Um, have you heard about uh, the... <laughs> Look at you. I this know. is adorable. You chose both shows we're going to discuss this week, and you've shown up with prep. This is basically you producing the podcast. That's right. I'm getting close to it. Okay. Um, at the forefront of Matt Slaney Entertainment News, did you see that Nathan Fielder and the Safety Bros have, have combined to to make a comedy, no less? A comedy series. They've, uh, they're doing a, a pilot for Showtime called The Curse. Yes. Which doesn't sound like a comedy. That's not the title of a comedy, traditionally. Right. No. And... Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's supposed to be about an HGTV kind of show. Like it's supposed to be about a haunted house. I think. Oh, okay. Like they move into a, a haunted house, kind of like HGTV style. All right. Yeah. I'd say, I'm going to be interested to see if Nathan Fielder can act because any like minor role he's had in, say, a Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. That doesn't indicate anything, and of course he's a good improviser and he's good with that character he did on that show. But I'll be interested to see if he has any other dimensions well, as a. As a human? It was weird. In my quick understanding of it, I think it's going to be like Nathan Fielder and one of the Safdie brothers playing a couple. Oh, okay. Is that weird? And then him, like you could see him as kind of like the the like gay husband, very sure. straight, like very like playing it, you know, very non-emotional. As long as it's not like just a big gay joke, that wouldn't be. No, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's what's funny about. I think the, they're all smarter than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, Showtime also formally announced its deal with recent uh, Oscar winner Taika Waititi. He's on board to direct and co-write the uh, horror comedy series The Outer. Yeah. He's going to star Jude Law. I heard about this today too, and I found it kind of strange because that's kind of how Taika burst on the scene, right? With what we do in the shadows, which is comedy horror. Right. Um, And you could call it a return to form or you could call it somebody having done something really interesting and unique to win his Oscar and then going back to old hat and old is, tricks. is what we do in the shadows not coming back for a second season. My understanding was that the first season was really good. Yeah. Well, and people love the movie, right? But maybe they're not doing any more. I don't think he wants to work on more of that. He's got more options these days. I actually, I don't even know if he did work on the show. Did he? he's an Oscar winner now? He is. Uh, he is that. no, I think he did work on the show. Okay. I think it was that, um, not did did uh, dude come back from from uh, Jermaine Jermaine I think he worked on it but I don't think he was the guy in I don't it. think he was in it no it was a different cast yeah yeah that's right we haven't really talked about the Academy Awards we haven't it was weeks ago at this point but we didn't do a podcast last right week. let's cover it okay well I mean I don't know what else to say except for that it was like so victorious for the underdog and parasite winning yeah yeah definitely <laughs> go bong Juno. he's been a real folk hero of this whole season and i had just watched that movie days before yep i think you undersell it i think it was extraordinary i think it was great yeah yeah and, and just more interesting than i mean i love 1917 but i was okay with 1917 not being token oscar movie 
Sure. Yeah. I think I think after the fact. Well, first of all, I think years from now. Keep talking. I gotta. I'm getting a little feedback, and I think I know what the cause is. Keep uh, talking. Okay. I think years from now we're gonna look at this. This is a hot, hot slanty take. I think years from now we're gonna look back at this movie, and kind of go, "Oh, it was like uh, when the artist won Best Picture." The artist. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it's like, oh yeah, it was a cool movie. Um, Bong Joon Ho wrote a good movie. Oh, I think that's the opposite. I think that <laughs> I think that the artist was Hollywood congratulating itself for being uh, pseudo cultured. Sure. And I think Parasite is actually a rare example of a new story. Mm-hmm. And well, not really. A sure new it story. Is. In, how? Well, have you seen a movie that told this story before? That that's so deftly uh, psychoanalyzed class in 2020 and how. And how it completely puts the little man down, and also the big man. This was this was a current movie, and that's what's also exciting about this movie is how many best pictures are best pictures uh, that take place now. So many mm. of them are period pieces, mm. and including but isn't like the La- artist isn't like Lady and the Tramp class division? Yes, like really, <laughs> you know, like that's that's I guess why I I'm still kind of struggling with with what's so original and i think the comedy was also oversold to me oh nobody told me it was a comedy so when i had any laughs uh, at all i was happy gotcha i I think people were like yeah it's hilarious the first hour is pretty funny it's like when you realize what they're doing yeah you know i was i i think i was watching like huh huh. like never had any the one time i kind of had like a laugh out loud moment was when they were kind of singing at the front door just trying to sing like uh, the the like mnemonic device of like how they knew each other. Right. The right. brother and sister are like, we went to school together and we da 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 da. <laughs> like I, I just thought that was funny. But other than that, I just find it such a such a weird take that you think that we're going to decide down the road that Parasite was overrated. <laughs> I think that's an insane thing to say. Maybe I'm just zagging. But but I I I think my main takeaway is yes, it was it was definitely Oscar worthy. Much respect. Mm-hmm. But I just, I it didn't have that like mind blowiness to me at the time. Okay. And like I said, things have aged well for me. There, you know, I use a Radiohead album as an example of that. Yeah. That I was like, I'm not into it. I don't understand why people like Radiohead. And then I saw Radiohead live, and I was like, Oh my god, never mind. I get it. Um, this could be a similar thing. I could catch Parasite like next year, or something might happen where I'm like, you know what, Parasite. I should give it another watch. Do you think the avenue by which you might learn to re-like Parasite is through (laughs) a live performance of it? No, I was going to say the Anglophonic version starring Mark Ruffalo and uh, friggin' Tilda Swinton, which is coming to television, and I still can't understand why it's not a terrible idea to do something like that. When the the I I guess probably Parasite is rewatchable, but the experience is in watching what they're doing, right? And also, why make it English so more people will, will watch it in Western culture, right? After Bong Joon Ho's whole thing about like, hey, listen, give these f- like yeah, foreign sub- subtitles are one inch high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He has some good speeches, by the way. He's like my favorite moment. He's a little shady. Yeah. Like my favorite moment of the Oscars when he uh, won for best director. Yeah, he goes through this fellow nominees and he's like. Uh, Martin Scorsese, you're a genius. Quentin Tarantino, you're a genius. Uh, Sam Mendes and uh, Todd Phillips, you guys are also filmmakers. Whoa! <laughs> I mean, it's tra- you have to translate it, but there's like a weird like. Oh, okay. there's, there's distinctly a smaller compliment paid to these two yeah. lesser directors. Kind of shade. <laughs> wow, I love that. I yeah. didn't, I did not. Um, I don't think I saw his speech. I don't think I saw any of Bong Joon Ho's. He was very charming. Yeah, I stayed up and watched the whole damn thing. I watched the Oscars for like upwards of five hours. Yeah, and the broadcast was okay. I don't think they'll not do a host next year. I think they're they're going to catch up to everybody else and go. Well, this was this was a waste of our. Any early forecasts on who a host might be? Ugh. <laughs> no, and I don't want to get into that. I don't want to play that game. Host host gate twenty twenty. It's already a 2021. It's already a controversy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of hosting things, Keenan Thompson's going to host the White House Correspondents Dinner. Him and Hassan Minaj. How did this happen? Is Hassan Minaj is going to be like the featured entertainment? Yes. Guy? So Keenan is hosting, and it's going to feature entertainment also from Hassan. Yeah. And he's done it before. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like Keenan's gig, but right. I'm so game for anything that puts him in the spotlight. I don't know why I feel like Keenan Thompson needs to be like 
celebrated more. I guess he does need right. to be celebrated more. Now, how much does the president have to do with this? Like, he, like did his people choose? No. Like, they, have, no. they don't have it's anything. It's the correspondence do. dinner. It's right. got nothing to do. No, no, no. It's, it's a roast which joins, like, the executive branch of the White House mm -hmm. with the correspondence, with the journalists. Okay. And brings them together and creates unity and, and demonstrates I that we it. can have a free and fair press. Okay. And so Trump doesn't go anymore because he doesn't, he doesn't get along with the the news. They do not have anything to do with the selection process. I guess when I think White House White, White House correspondence, like I don't necessarily think the media. Like yeah, the, people they, that correspond. They're with the, the White correspondents. House. I yeah. guess plenty of people could be correspondents, but my guess. But in this case, it's the media. Yes. Okay. That makes more sense. And traditionally, to show good faith, the president would sit up there on the dais and he'd get roasted and then he'd have an opportunity to say a few cutting words as well. And Obama was always gold at mm -hmm. the correspondence dinner. Um, but of course, Trump doesn't go to that. Do we think it's a weird vibe for Keenan and all? Like he doesn't really do stand up or like, like when have we seen him do monologues? It's hard to imagine him doing straight jokes. Yeah. But I want to see it. Yeah. It's a really tough room. They don't mic the room, so it always sounds like the comic is bombing when they're not necessarily bombing. Mm, right. And the other thing, uh, perhaps most notably for this administration, Seth Meyers famously roasted Donald Trump when he was hosting and Trump yeah. was there and was not a good sport about it. No. And a lot of people like to say that that was the moment that he decided he wanted to be president. It. That's yeah. that's not it. But no. um, a good moment in popular culture history. Mm-hmm. Um, how how long is a correspondence dinner usually? Can you watch the whole thing? I don't know. I don't know if it's on C-SPAN or something. Yeah, you can. I guess you can watch the whole thing. Do they like show what the dinner is too? Uh, like, look, I don't know if now it's you're like, eating. I don't know if it's a good piece of television, mm -hmm, okay. but there might be twenty minutes worth watching because it's funny. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. But again, like I, I don't know that it's totally worth it, and it's also kind of got an asterisk next to it because this is such an embattled time for truth and news. Yeah, that it's just like, doing it at all kind of seems like, ugh. Like last year, they didn't have a comic host the correspondence dinner; they just had some journalist person, right? And no one cared. The year before that, it was Michelle Wolf, right? She was just okay. It was kind of like a weird vibe there too. Yeah, although people who are in the room say she killed. It's really hard to know if she actually killed. Yeah, yeah. So, did you see the thing about Birds of Prey? Um, well, it's, it like has been number one or if at all, only by default, I actually think Sonic the Hedgehog is number one now. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog is getting a lot of like love. It's done surprisingly I saw, well. I saw James Marsden and Ben, uh, Schwartz, uh, Schwartz just like, like being super thrilled about how well it's done for a video game movie for <laughs> yeah. kids. It's critically not doing terrible and it is making lots of money and like not a current video game. No, I don't know anybody who cares about Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. I remember really liking Sonic the Hedgehog, but I'm someone who didn't play video games. Like, I didn't own Sega. Right. Well, do you remember, like, a year ago when they released the trailer and then they had to go back to the drawing board because people hated his teeth? People didn't like the way he looked, yeah. I don't know if that was ultimately good press in the end, because I think it cost them a lot of money, but they're going to be fine financially. Yeah. I saw an interview where Ben Schwartz said, oh, I think this actually, like, reflects, I think this actually is, like, a lot better. Good. The way it looks now. Oh, it definitely better. is a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Stick to your bases. I mean, they did a live action Pokemon movie last year. Right. Don't make them look like real life. Make right. them cartoons. And they did it right, I think, with that movie. Yeah. So the thing Have about- Have you seen that? Oh, Detective Pikachu? Detective Pikachu? I'm waiting for that to stream somewhere. Gotcha. I want to see it. Remember when it was announced and we're like, what the hell? And then they made it in like two and a half months or something. It seemed yeah. to come and go really fast. Right. And now nobody talks about it. But I think it did okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it did really well in, yeah. in theaters, but then it just kind of went away. It probably did really well in like China. It probably it gotcha. probably had a really good international worldwide. It did super well. Probably. So the thing about Birds of Prey is it, it did have a couple of winning weekends just because of the the dead zone that is this time of year cinematically, theatrically right. after the Oscars especially. Yeah. Um, but it has not made good money. It has been, for all intents and purposes, um, uh, a failure box yeah. office wise. It's going to lose money, I think, and. I think the studio is now blaming the the creativity of the title itself, the the lack of SEO of the title, because yeah. the title of this movie is Birds of Prey or The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And I love that shit. Yeah. That's that is my shit. It's true. I didn't realize until like a week ago that well no, it's more than that, but that Birds of Prey was a thing that was happening. See, this is I, the like problem. I did not know there was a Harley Quinn movie that was so, out. So they renamed the movie. 
Now it's called Birds of Prey, colon, Harley Quinn. Okay. And that sucks to me. I mean, like, I get <laughs> yeah. it. I get yeah. it. But, like, they've decided that this is the reason. It just doesn't... It's so strange. And I don't know if it's if it's misogyny that people won't go to see a female-led comic book movie. Certainly, there's a history of that that's unfortunate. But, like, it's not her Joker. But Joker, nonetheless, is pretty hot right now. You'd mm-hmm. think that people would be into it. Like, Margot mm. Robbie's... She just got nominated for an Academy Award. Like, imagine her, like, referencing it in the movie. Like... Oh yeah, my man is the one who dances down the stairs. She, they just write it off really early because Jared Leto is never going to play that character again. And right. I guess in the early in the movies, she's just well, it's I mean, it's called the emancipation of one Harley Quinn, right? It's, it's about how she's not with Mister J anymore. But but I also wasn't sure if like Birds of Prey was it like a prequel or something, and like that was no, who she was hanging it's with before post Suicide Squad. But now she's got like a a rogue pack of of gal pals, the, the Birds, Birds of Prey, yeah. yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is one of them. Yeah. Anyway, it's 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 a failure. And I guess she's probably going to be in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, as that character one more time. But like, if that doesn't work, kiss it goodbye. Yeah. And yet we all still have all this faith in Matt Reeves' The Batman. Did you see some of the stills that came out? No. I mean, they're not really stills. They're just like camera tests. But we got to see a little bit of the cape and cowl. Yeah. He's looking good. The jaw on that boy. <laughs> the cape and cowl. Yeah. Did you did you read the uh, interview with Ben Affleck at all about yeah like, sobriety and him kind of what bothers me back? is that the the clickbait line is how he says that his divorce from Jennifer Garner is his greatest regret yeah I think people can really easily get caught up in the idea of regret meaning thing I wish didn't happen that line when, like that that's, line that doesn't that have like, to be what regret is regret can just be like this is a thing that I'm ashamed of and I'm sad happened yeah and. It's nice that he feels that way because that's his family. But there's not a lot of talk of the divorce and the overall thing. Like, kind of opens, and he's like, "Yeah, he's recently divorced after, or he's like recently sober." Um, attributing one of his addictions, attributing his like alcoholism to, sorry, attributing his alcoholism getting bad to his recent divorce from Jennifer. Garner. And in part, I think his involvement with WB and the Batman, right? The WWB. Exactly. I yeah. think, I think that being a part of that movie would have, I think he alludes that it would have made things worse because yeah. it was just a big toxic, um, corporate fiasco, him trying to navigate those waters. And I remember when it was announced that he was going to write and direct and star in the Batman. Yeah. And I was psyched for that. Yeah. I liked him as Bruce Wayne. I mean, I'm always rooting for Ben Affleck. Right. But it's probably for the best. And now I'm really into this new movie they're making. I think this new movie is basically like supposed to kind of be like Coach Carter if Coach Carter was alcoholic. And it's going <laughs> to it's going to do really well and people are going to be talking about this movie for a long time. Pattinson's the Batman or or Ben Affleck's new movie? <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were I thought we were back into Ben Affleck. Okay. You're talking still Reeves. No, what is this movie that you're talking about? It's called um the way back, I guess. Yeah. I guess famously, the movie was called "The Hasbin." Okay, but like no one wants their photo above the title "The Hasbin." Yeah, that's true. So they changed the the. It was originally based on a book, uh, to "The Way Back," and mm. it's this alcoholic teacher, maybe who becomes, or he's just an alcoholic. I don't know. Anyway, he becomes a basketball coach, like a high school basketball coach. There's already like, a movie called "The Way Way Back." Do you know that movie with Steve Carell? No, I don't. Okay, so a way back is the seat. It's the it's the uh, extractable seat you face uh, backward in your station wagon. Oh, like you open up the hatch and then you can you can put in like a jump seat in the back. That's called a way back. <laughs> oh, okay. And so it's about this like kid who's going away with his family for summer vacation, and he's got this stepdad who's a total asshole, and he's like, it's a coming of age story. Sure. And so he he rides up there in the way back of their station wagon, and he becomes a man when he's befriended by Sam Rockwell at the local pool, and it's a lovely movie. Okay. Um, but it's also about like trying to find your way back. You know, it's gotcha. like a double entendre. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of feel like they've already done better with the title than this Affleck movie does. Right. Yeah. With the way back. Hmm. There's already a movie called The Way Way Back. Yeah. That's like the oh. uncut, uncut gems. I want to say Tony Collette maybe also, and Maya Rudolph is certainly in it. Sam Rockwell steals the show. Wow. It's good. That sounds like a good good cast. Really good movie. Good Feel movie. good movie. Yeah. Uh Stranger Things, you see the teaser for Stranger Things? No, but I'm like kind of pissed at it. Okay. Just because I've heard what You're not alone. Like Jen Jen goes <laughs> in the 
I'm gonna do a spoiler alert. Like you must have you you know Well see like everything's You're about it. to spoil and that's the reason you're mad is because you feel like it's been spoiled? I feel like it's already been spoiled. Like it's already out there. Maybe see, it's not. Maybe well, I shouldn't. Well say it is, but is that why you're mad? Um Because it's it's not but, a spoiler if they're gonna put it in the promotional. No, I just wanted it to be like, wouldn't it be cool if it actually was a mystery and then you just found out when you started watching the show? Not a mystery. They say at the end of the season. Yeah. They re- reference the American. Now, maybe the American they're talking about isn't isn't Hopper. Right. But like, I think I think they're just like, you know what? Let's not. Let's is, not... is that all they say? It doesn't show Hopper in the it shows trailer? Him. It shows him. <laughs> and that's all, that, that's all it does. And he's in Russia and he's working on the railroad all the live long day. Right. Um, but that's the only Stranger Things imagery in the whole thing. Right. I don't think it's. I don't even think it's worth saving. If I was the Duffer Brothers, I would have also put him in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I just like. Wouldn't it be cool if there was um, some kind of like random mystery, something stranger, something even, even stranger than those <laughs> things? I think they're gonna have. What to do you call them? Things. Things. <laughs> um. Great Little Mermaid reference just <laughs> yeah. now. I'm with you. Uh, I think that that show is aesthetically going to change a lot and tonally. Like, they left Hawkins, right? Yeah. Wait, did they move at the end of... They moved away, for sure. Oh. All the kids? Well, I don't know about all the kids, but like... Yeah. About damn time. Joyce moves. You gave that way too much time. I did? No, I mean... Oh, yeah. Joyce. Yeah, don't stick around this town. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah, lord. Why are you so attached? <laughs> it's not like just... either of your kids are having I guess your youngest son has good friends, but uh right. And then no no. Yeah, you mean Will Byers? Yeah. The kid who keeps getting possessed? Oh no. You're thinking uh, of no, Mike. No, I was thinking of Mike. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah. all roses for Mike. But your your youngest son does have good friends, but he is also getting possessed. Constantly getting repeatedly. possessed. What a drag. Um I'm becoming more and more and more and more interested in this show Devs. D-E-V-S? Yeah. The Nick Offerman uh, show that's going to be on FX slash Hulu, and it's directed by the Ex Machina director. Hmm. It's like, you should look up a trailer for it. Super surreal. He plays a, um, like, kind of, like, Bill Gatesy style character, but he's very strange and... So a Bill Gatesy type character. But it's like, he's, if Bill Gates was like, you should question the entire nature of your reality because what, Elon Musk, what, what you're experiencing might yeah. not actually. Be. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. More, more like Elon Musk than anything else. Okay. I like the idea that he's going to do a little acting. He needs to get away from some of the stereotypes that he's, he's cemented in. Oh, this is going to be a weird show. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Who directed Ex Machina? I feel like that's a name I should know. I'm, I'm honestly not even sure what the name is off the top of my head. I, it wasn't like Inarutu or like, some massive name was it uh alexa who directed the movie ex machina ex machina was directed by alex garland alex garland won an academy award won an academy award (laughs) the film won an academy award do you want to know how much money they're all worth (laughs) (laughs) if Um, you melted down the oscar do you know how much it would be worth it it looks really good though 35 allison (laughs) allison pill also in it she's been mia for a while yeah but she's in picard too Oh, she was. In I Picard. don't know if she was in the first episode. She was in the first episode. Are you still watching that? I am. Weirdly, that is weird. I'm watching The Outsider and Picard. The Outsider's still going. Oh yeah, The Outsider's good. Okay. Yeah. No, I saw Stephen King tweeting yesterday that the last couple episodes are going to blow people's minds. It's actually good. Yeah. This past episode was like a little more sleepy. I liked The Outsider when we watched it. I just yeah. I'm surprised it's still going. And I I mean I guess. It's yeah. just week by week, right? I think right. there's 10 episodes altogether. So it hasn't been 10 weeks since we watched it. But a month away from the release of Mulan, the live action remake that Disney's been doing. And it seems to me they have been pumping up Mulan even more than they've pumped up like Aladdin and Lion King and some of the some of the IP that you'd expect them to like invest even harder in. Well, I think that Mulan is the least sacred of the cartoons that they've redone. And it's actually got the most chance to be the most impressive well, I think, I think for sure. Yeah. And it looks like a straight up war movie, yeah. which is why I bring it up because it's uh, it was announced today. It's getting a PG-13 rating, Ooh. which is wild for like a family True. Disney movie. It's the first time a, like a Disney remake has gotten PG-13. The last time a Disney movie got a PG-13 was um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is not that long ago. It was right. like 2017, the sure. most recent Pirates movie. But like it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. No, it does look like it takes things seriously. 
Uh, it no Mushu, which is for the best. Right. Um, the music is they're being a little creative with the music though. It's not a musical. Okay. And many people will agree that the best thing about Mulan were the songs. The songs the music were members are amazing. They had some bops. Really good bops. And I think they have created a score mm-hmm. that highlights those musical themes. Yeah. And right. so you'll recognize the melody of reflection or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone's gonna sing reflection. No. And that's kind of a drag. I'd like to I'd like to hear it. They should just go old school and have like like Melissa Etheridge sing Reflection or something. Just why Melissa just Etheridge? Just like some singer songwriters okay. that's gonna be Dido. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dido. <laughs> Sixpence none the richer. <laughs> that would be exciting for That'd me. That'd be really cool. Here's my other thing, and I haven't seen the new Mulan yet, and I'm open to it. But they have an opportunity in the cartoon version that is going to be more challenging in the live action version, which is the story about how she takes her father's name and she joins the the Chinese army or whatever yeah. and pretends to be a man. So it's a story about this like brave woman who pretends to be a man and everyone mm. thinks she's a man. But right. this actress they have playing Mulan is very feminine looking right. and very beautiful looking. So I don't know. I don't know if we're just supposed to overlook that like it's theater, in which case that's fine mm-hmm. if they're not going to highlight that or if they're going to like go an extra step to make her look more butch. Right. For the Chinese army. <laughs> Give her a fake beard. Well, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. like in the, in previously she just has to cut her hair. Right. But in all the stuff I've seen so far, her hair is still pretty long. Right. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm uh, a little behind the times for having to think about it at all. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's an interesting take. I, I find it funny that you were so fixated on that part. <laughs> How are they going to make listen, her look like a man? I figured out the real problem. She's too beautiful. <laughs> Um, uh, Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell are uh, potentially going to be in a show together. The Shrink Next Door. You know what I think? Will Ferrell is poison. No, I don't I don't think it's smart to be in stuff with Will Ferrell anymore. Wow. I like Will Ferrell. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I, when was the last time he had a hit? Apparently, this new uh, movie with him, um, Julia Louis Dreyfus, a downhill. Yeah, apparently that's supposed to be pretty good. It's based on, but it's not making any money. Not yet. It might be a flop, but. Yeah. But so was Anchorman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so was Anchorman. So I we might have an Anchorman here. We might have an Anchorman 2 on our hands. Uh, yeah, it could be. Apparently, it's kind of serious. Like, it gets pretty real. Well, I forgot about this movie, and my friend told me about it when it first came out, this movie Force Majeure. Are you familiar with that at all? Nope. It's a French movie, and it's about the... the uh, an avalanche happens and a guy abandons his family. Yes. And then the family survives. It's and a the Swedish whole thing movie. Is, Swedish. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, that's kind of what this is based on. Yeah. But it's like a comedy, comedic version of that. Um, apparently, Force Majeure is also very funny. Mm. Like Alex, my friend, said it was like one of his favorite movies ever. But I just think there's some some lags between... Is Zach Woods in it too? Is it weird for me? Yeah, to he's that? been doing press, so that's possible. Yeah. Um, I Although he might he might just be doing press for uh, Avenue Avenue eight. Five. Avenue are, five. Are you cheering for Will Ferrell at all? Like, do you want it to be good? Don't get me wrong. I want good things for Will Ferrell. I'm right. sure he's a good person, and he's of course funny. Yeah, but it just doesn't seem like he's a hit maker anymore. Right. It's not like you know Holmes and Watson was not. That really I'm, like, I'm saying yeah. right. now, Julia Louis Dreyfus is a hit maker, but not cinematically. She's never been a big movie star. No, she hasn't. What was the last movie she was even in? Uh, she's you. in a James Gandolfini movie called Enough Said, but that would have been 10 years ago. Right. And his last movie, right? I think it's probably his last movie. And her last movie. Both of their last Maybe movies. Maybe it was. Now, neither of them need the money. They're just doing a passion project, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And I like that it uses some some realness, I think. Yes, I think it's a comedy. You don't hire these two people to just be straight all the way through. Right. But it's not... I don't think it's going to be like slapsticky dick right. jokes. I think it's... I think there's some real family themes through this. Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm interested. I, I it sounds like an interesting movie. Yeah. Do you know there's a pretty uh prominent instance uh on the Titanic of women divorcing their husbands after the whole family survived the Whoa. the wreckage because they were abandoned by their husbands for exactly That's the same reason? Fascinating. Yeah. Doesn't it make you think? What you would do. I like to think I that. Think I think that's would... what this Will Ferrell movie is supposed to do. Right. Yeah. You're supposed to be like, oh no, I would definitely like 
jump in front of my family. There's like on, on the Carpathia the next day, the ship that picked up 700 survivors of the Titanic. There was like lots of instances of, of, of wives, <laughs> <Cold> stairs, <laughs> wives who think they're widows running into their husbands on deck. And they're just like, you oh. son of a bitch you lived and then it's not good from there on man overboard am i right <laughs> gonna be one fewer survivor when we make it back to new york yeah. the band's not gonna keep playing this time <laughs> <laughs> um weird uh kind of like uh true crime part of the show show podcast naturally this is how we get our listeners talk about true crime every now and then <laughs> well drew carey's ex-fiance was killed i know this is like the darkest thing ever and he's taking two weeks off to grieve it which i'm like god love drew carey he's he seems like the nicest person in the world i know yeah it's, have you heard the you should listen to the podcast with him and Dak shepherd i may have listened to that it was actually like oh my god i drew think he's the man i'm not sure i listened to all of it but he was on Marin about a year ago and he seems like a solid guy yeah and yeah you'd be heartbroken he was close with this woman i don't know how long ago but uh the the suspect who is her like current boyfriend i think right um he was arrested he's been released on two million dollar bail but she was found dead like unconscious below yeah. a balcony with injuries similar to that of someone who was like jumped off a balcony or pushed off a balcony right. so it's believed that he probably threw her off the balcony Jesus. which is horrible did you hear about wendy williams no she made a come on down joke oh no wait what who's Wendy? is wendy williams a comedian no not for all intents and purposes okay. she's a daytime tv host tv talk show host and she always says horrible things <laughs> she's a bad person she's a very bad person yeah um remember she like made fun of uh uh, Joaquin Phoenix's cleft palate a couple weeks ago, and then like a bunch of people who are like parents of kids with cleft palates are like, I'm not following who the, the news fuck close are enough. you? Yeah, she's a bad person, and so she made a because this this poor woman who died is Drew Carey's ex fiance. She made a come on down joke about the woman who forty eight hours ago was probably thrown off a balcony. Yeah, that is so right. And I know sometimes we we I, get I, going and we open our mouths and we say a thing that we realize after the fact we shouldn't said. I cannot imagine, and I am really horrified to imagine that somebody let that out. The worst thing is it's not even the most fitting joke. It's a terrible joke. Like it's not even like it's not even on the nose enough for it to be really funny. No. Like in any like Except for that you... I feel like she kind of messed the joke up. Except for that you qualify the story by saying she's Drew Carey's ex-fiance because that's how she's known to the public. So she's telling the story to her audience at her daytime comedy show, I guess. She says, did you hear about Drew Carey, the host of Price is Right's ex-fiance? She got thrown off a balcony. Come on down, am I right? Like... Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how she phrased it, but like... Oh, wow. It's terrible. Yeah. That's really rough. It's amazing that in this cancel culture in which we live, she gets to just keep coming back. Yeah. Because she has a lot of these. That is so dumb. Yeah. Really bad. Oh, in happier news, because um, <laughs> everything is happier news, Rick Moranis is coming back. To what? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the reboot at Disney+. Plus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the movie? I don't, I don't know if they're doing a series or a... Or a movie, but couldn't gonna, they get gonna, a new vehicle for Rick Moranis? He's going to play Wayne Zielinski once again. I don't know. I think that obviously he wanted to come back for this. Yeah, but this is a guy who, in honey, 19- I shrunk the kids with my app. <laughs> <laughs> it will be that. It probably yeah. will be something to do with iPhones. Right. I shrunk them on social media. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I muted the kids. I mean, maybe it'd be honey. I shrunk the grandkids. It kind of would work now generationally. Sure. Hmm. Mm-hmm. remember honey i blew up the kids the I sequel i do well the first sequel was honey i shrunk the kids again and then the oh, yeah. third part was honey i blew up the kid it was just one kid and there's like a bunch of um godzilla jokes throughout because it's like a toddler right and he's wreaking havoc upon manhattan right i think like you do yeah that's what you do too <laughs> um but he like his wife died of cancer in like the mid 90s yeah he, and then he took a he just retired for from the spotlight to be a to be a full, dad. full-time dad and now he's yeah. back i think it's beautiful he was supposed to have been on a podcast with someone too and it was apparently incredible hmm. so we should go back and listen to that maybe it was Marin, but i don't th- i probably would have heard that yeah because i'm curious about this guy yeah he just seems like somebody you root for and it'd be nice to see him again yeah um apple plus where are we with apple plus is this who, a thing that exists who did i see apple tv plus i saw somebody today was announced to be doing a movie 
Oh, uh, Mahershala Ali is doing a, like one of the first feature-length movies produced by Apple TV+. Okay. Because it's mostly been series. Yeah. Now we might be cooking. But it still seems like they haven't had, like, besides, you know, the the newsroom, <laughs> like we talked yeah, about. I right. know it's not the newsroom. but uh, The morning show. The morning show. Um, it's weird that uh, they haven't really had any other huge hits. Like, they have this, like, rock uh, Rob McKellany hit or this Rob McKellany TV show the yeah. guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia right. about like a game developer or something. I know he's been doing some press. I had no idea what he was promoting. Yeah, that's and, what it's And for. just to backtrack on something you said a second ago, I don't know that the morning show was necessarily a great big hit. Like, I don't know that. No, no, that was supposed to be their flagship show. Though. Well, like, yeah, the, and, they, and they really entry. waved that flag proudly, but I don't know yeah. if we have any analytics on the viewership of that show. No. I don't even know how many people have signed up for Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah. I know that in the States, if you bought an Apple product in the last, I don't know, six months or something, you mm-hmm. have a year subscription for free. That's a good way to get people in the door. Oh, man, my parents bought me airpods you have airpods yeah oh i don't I know. love it i love AirPods. i don't think i knew you got them yes i got them for christmas i oh, thought geez. i told you yeah oh yeah. i love the airpods yeah they're solid they're a dream i don't know if you'll be able to i think it might just be in the states but give uh, it a okay. shot and it was at best buy like is it still gonna be honored there does it have to oh, be yeah, no, you're still an apple customer store. okay yeah cool yeah i might might give that a shot yeah free apple tv i'll still take it oh look i mean i'll have as many things as i'm not paying for as possible <laughs> right yeah, but it just seems, and well, like in one of the shows, I mean, we're going to talk about um, high fidelity in a second, like the, and thank you for your help on that, by the way, the the difficult time I had getting a hold of this show here in yeah. Canada, like we've long suffered from an inaccess to Hulu, but usually there's another avenue and I can't find it anywhere. And it got to the point where I was like, I'll pay two ninety nine to just like download the pilot from <laughs> Tell iTunes. Tell me who I need like, to pay. Like, do you want my cash production right. company? And uh, you can't get it. It's brutal. Yeah. And I still have to sit through Jimmy Fallon interviews and Hot Ones interviews or whatever, where Zoe Kravitz is like, hey, watch my show. Right. And I'm like, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Stop telling me that, Zoe. Yeah. You've done your job. <laughs> yeah. Get the bosses to do theirs. Was she on Hot Ones? Yeah, she was last week. Oh, I'd watch that. She's very cool. Margot Robbie. Nothing interesting about that in the Hot Ones interview. No. Uh, and Margot Robbie really sweated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Kravitz. It's it's as if she's eating carrot sticks. No way. They don't they don't do anything to her. That's insane. Yeah. All right, I'm excited to watch this. Yeah. Um the best I think was Gordon Ramsay's full on meltdown. <laughs> Did you ever watch that? Yeah. I mean, I watch I watch it every week now. Do you? The guests have gotten so good. That's awesome. They're really launching their like their big primetime game show now. Yeah. Where like any old Joe can can do the hot ones challenge. Right. I, I love the host as a person, Sean. but I don't really think he's the best interviewer necessarily, but he's also that, eating all the wings. That's so a hot take. Actually, people often say he's a great interviewer. People love him. I, yeah. I like the research he does and stuff. There's I a just, lot of good research. Maybe it's like the weird editing. He has, he has a weird uh, timbre that I just don't really relate to. He has this like really like staccato way of talking yeah. and, and I, it's just part of his shtick, I think. Yeah. Um, his little spiel about explain that Graham, he compulsively has to get out the whole thing. Right. Anyway. Even he, the way he's like the show with hot, hot wings and even hotter questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's always just a little like. <laughs> All right, delivery, Matt Slaney, bro. you've made it to the top of yeah. Scoville Mountain. Yeah. And you've done it like a champ. Yeah. Like it's, That's it's it. very much like. He's trying to, I don't know. People like him. I think he's pretty good at it. I I, I love him. Like and I look, said. this is one of the great success stories of the Wild West that is YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. like that is an extremely powerful platform on yes. which he sits. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's pretty much it for my notes. My I phone got. died. So oh, my no. timer is going to be, I don't even have my watch on you, right now. You can use mine. I'm going to go first. Okay, cool. Ah. Um, all right. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll recap the, the first episode of High Fidelity because- because we already got going with it. Sure. Um, all right. So I, uh, I've i seen this movie, I don't know, half a dozen times. I yeah. love this movie. I've never read the book. I love that surprises Nick me. Hornby in general. Uh-huh. I like picked up the book and then I've thought, eh, I've seen the movie a bunch of times. <laughs> you threw it in the garbage. And you know why? Because the, you open the first page and the first lines are my top five desert island right. all-time you're greatest like, breakups. And you're like, oh, I've read this book. Yeah. I've just had it, John Cusack read it to me. Right. Um, except it's a little bit more British. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll recap the, the first episode of, of High Fidelity. Okay, you ready? You're going to recap it in three, two, one, go. 
Uh, Rob is Zoe Kravitz. She owns a, a record store where she works with the two uh, bumbling oafs, and she's cranky, and she has just been dumped by her long-term boyfriend who's going to move uh, to Austria or something. And so a year goes by, and she goes on a date to try and get back into the scene, but she goes on this date like minutes after having run into her ex-boyfriend, so she's a little thrown. She does spend the night with this guy who's plopped from the office, and uh, seems like she's going to give him another chance because she he is, in fact, a nice guy. She's very snobby about music. That uh, that was a good breakdown. I totally forgot it was a guy from the office. Yeah. Plopped I was trying to place him for so long. Yeah. Um, it's funny how much the show is just like the movie, and it does have yeah. some creative liberties, which we can talk about too. Mm-hmm. But like lines lifted right out of what is probably the source text, which is probably the novel. I haven't read the and novel. And for the pilot. And for the pilot. You know, I, I, I'm I excited. Okay, couple things. First of all, overall on the show, what, what do you think? You like it. Really good aesthetically. Mm-hmm. I think somebody less cool than Zoe Kravitz, which is most people, couldn't pull off this character. Yeah. Because she's like two things. She's hateful. Except yeah. she's cool, so you're all right. And yeah. you can also see that she's sad. And she's also kind of like, um, kind of uh, of accepting that she's hateful. Yes. Like there's times she's like, I was an asshole too. Um, maybe I'm an asshole now. This also is all, maybe not a 2020 premise. The character maybe not a 2020 character. And I know they live in like Chicago or whatever. They live in like a big city. Mm-hmm. But who goes to record stores now besides like middle-aged uh, nostalgia chasing rock dads? But they made it seem like it's really supposed to be a 2020 premise with, well, first of all, the person that she ends up dating, uh, like they don't really explain how they met. Or was that also through her brother? Plop? Yeah. I don't know how they... How they I, got I just together. assumed it was like Tinder. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. It was like a yeah. blind date, clearly, when yeah. they meet up. That and the fact that she's had uh, 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 a same-sex dating experience, and that seems like a very 2020 sure. thing No, I guess there's like it. modern references too, because there's a lot of pop cultural references, yeah. obviously. But I just mean like... But nothing really... I mean, as far as pop, pop cultural references, and this is a point that I wanted to touch on, was like, are you really going to talk about rumors versus Tusk? Like I, you could go a little spicier than I really struggle with that. The most like like accessible band. That's what I thought too. I thought yeah. the whole monologue about how she can't stop talking about her like her super cold Fleetwood Mac takes. Yeah, was I don't know who wrote that, but it's like they're, they're trying to make her seem like she's like this total musicophile, right? And she didn't say anything interesting. She no. just like I. What I really like most about Fleetwood Mac is the is the drama behind the scenes. Like, yeah, everybody knows that yeah. Fleetwood Mac fought a lot. I, I think I would have found it more interesting in like high school when I wouldn't have necessarily had that, that, uh, uh, knowledge. Well, just the way they started talking about knowledge. Fleetwood Mac at all. So the guy they're in a bar and, and, um, is it dreams? Dreams comes on. Yeah. And he's like, and this is after he's just found out she owns a record store and she's something of a, a musicophile. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what if I told you, like, I actually genuinely love this song. Yeah. And I'm like, are you going to try and tell me that, like, it's lame to like Dreams by Fleetwood right. Mac? Because yeah. that's a really weird take. Yeah. And she doesn't lean into that. She's like, no, of course not. But they do it later with Come On Eileen, which it is kind of lame to like. Right. But she comes around on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Jack Black character, by the way. Oh, okay. 100. Yeah. She, and she does a great job with it. Yeah. Like, that's a hard character to replicate. Yeah. Probably, nah, maybe even harder than John Cusack's character. Like, he's a very well-loved side character. That was his breakout role. Yeah. So, and she killed it. Yeah. She was funny. So, I did a little bit of thinking okay. about this. Uh, because I see her mm-hmm. in the exact same apartment that... John Cusack's Rob is in in the movie. Yeah. It is clearly the same apartment. It looks exactly like it. Right. And so I thought, what hoops would we have to jump through to make this a high fidelity universe? And so at first I thought like, is there some kind of way we could bring John Cusack back in as a middle-aged man and he's like her uncle or something and this is why she's kind of like this? Let me finish. Okay. And, (laughs) and, (laughs) and then I remembered that, uh, Zoe Kravitz's mother is Lisa Bonet. Yes. Who is in the first High Fidelity movie as not the love interest to John Cusack, but the girl he dates 
while he's off from Laura, who's his ultimate uh, girl he gets back with. Right. So she's kind of like this hippie, cool chick who he's hanging out with. And then they're kind of flaky together. Mm-hmm. And I created this whole backstory in my head where she could, in Lisa Bonet, who's her mother in real life, could be her mother in this show as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe John Cusack's Rob is on Lisa Bonet's top five all-time greatest breakups. And that's why she named her kid that. Kid Rob, yeah. Or maybe they actually became friends after John Cusack got back, got back with Laura. He's her like godfather or something. And that's why she lives in his apartment and runs his store and is named Rob. Could be. Yeah. That, I mean, hey, you did the work on that one. Yeah, they're not going to do that though. <laughs> no, I don't. But think I mean, that. they could bring in Lisa Bonet to play a role character. That could be fun. Sure. How old is Lisa Bonet? Like, Zoe Kravitz is 31. Is Lisa Bonet, well, like 20? Well, she was like, like the older sister on the Cosby show, so she's got to be in her 50s. Yeah, I guess so. That sounds shocking. Like, when you see Lisa Bonet, she just looks like Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, they look amazingly alike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I think one of my favorite scenes was like the credit scene. Where she's just sitting smoking. She's just sitting smoking, listening yeah. to... I actually thought it had a lot of artfulness. I, I thought this show was cool. In an era uh, where Phoebe Waller-Bridge just... Phoebe Waller-Bridges? Bridge. There's a, a Phoebe Bridgers now, and it's really messing me oh, up. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, there's a, an artist named Phoebe Bridgers. It sucks for her more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> so Phoebe Waller-Bridge... Um, basically just had like the biggest show of 2019 right where she's constantly breaking the fourth wall and she's being like, a female talking about love love exactly <laughs> and then she's kind like, of like a messy female who's like navigating sex and love while this was happening do you think the people writing high fidelity were like Fuck. maybe a little bit this sucks it helps that the tone was already set for high fidelity like if this was an original concept now i would probably have thought the same thing right but because i was just relating it to this pre-existing movie Mm-hmm. high fidelity i i didn't have the same instinct we were talking i think that um this has more legs than a movie like i wanted to stay longer in the high fidelity universe and it kind of like ends a little bit abruptly and you don't totally. really it's just like a slice of life kind of thing where i want to see more of that life sliced well <laughs> when she first flashed back to her breakup with mac yeah who's He's like the Laura counterpart in the show. Mm-hmm. Like the one who is, he's number five with a bullet or whatever. Number yeah. one with a bullet on her top five list. Um, He moves away to, is it Austria? No, and I think I'm, it's London. London. Okay. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird because the movie is all about how he wants to, how his like ongoing relationship with Laura right. is that he's like super jealous of her new boyfriend. He's constantly obsessing over what she's doing, who she's fucking, where yeah, she is. Right. And then ultimately they get back in the end. And I'm like, are they really going to write him out of the show and he's not the one for her? And then I thought, well, actually, that's good because he could come back in the season finale and right. surprise her. But then sure. he came back in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And and also the love interest with Plop seems to be something kind of genuine, too. It does. So how are they going to play that? You know, I don't really know. Here's my other uh, issue. Okay. Not enough top five lists. Not enough. Uh, High Fidelity is all about top top five lists. Okay. But in in the i guess it's it is the pilot but they want to sit on that a little bit they don't want to blow all their top five lists there's the no there's no end to the top five lists you can make that's true who what's your top five uh bands my top five bands yeah you see this is something you have to pay a lot of respect and attention to you mm-hmm. can't just rattle them off mm-hmm. you can't i can't <laughs> all right fair i won't be you try it okay um vampire weekend Radiohead. I'll put Vampire Weekend on there um, for sure. I would say Arctic Monkeys. Really? Yep. Oh, interesting. Um, I'd throw a little, maybe The Strokes. Okay. Um, I would find songs easier, honestly. Okay. Well, yeah, if you can give me your top five songs. Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Okay. You Can Call Me Al by uh, Paul Simon. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, it's pretty tough. Uh, I'm trying. I see, like you, it's it's precious real estate. Mm-hmm. I'm going through my phone right now, trying the, to come up with ideas. The two more bands I need, probably, well, definitely Kanye West. Okay, and who would be one more? Um, 
I do like Radiohead, but I don't listen them to them enough to be. You have a good Radiohead takes. Oh, Round Here by the Counting Crows, probably one of my top five favorite really? songs. I love that Round song. Round Here. That's a heartbreaking song. Um, well, that's that's a pretty good start to a top five list. Yeah, I think Rob would be proud. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, what is up? I was kind of like, I knew, <laughs> I knew that Plop was going to be a recurring character when I saw he had tattoos. Why? Because it was like, why would you bother doing all this tattoo work? Natural Disaster for... by Joel Plaskett. That's a good one. Uh, I'm still scrolling. I'm listening. Sure. Yeah. You uh, don't think those were real tattoos? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Like, I don't think they actually belong to him. All right. I feel like there was a, something to make the character more interesting. And why would you make the want to make the character that much more interesting if he wasn't going to be back? Romeo and Juliet, the Mark Knopfler song, but as done by the killers. Oh. It's really good. I don't know if that's my top five, but those are up there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I've, I got four artists there, and I don't know who I would put as the fifth. Anyway, I think that, sure. that that structure is what the character is supposed to be obsessed with. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we're going to get a lot of it. Okay. I think... Um, well, the whole first season's out. I know. I didn't realize that when yeah. I got the first, uh, first app. Uh, I give it my ass. I give him my ass too. Yeah. I liked it. Zoe yeah. Kravitz was a great choice. It was announced for Disney Plus. I heard that. It was going to be on the Plus and uh, obviously they, they moved. I don't know, yeah. creative differences because there's no way Disney Plus would let this show be on there. There's no R-rated content on, on the Plus. No. And they say the F word a lot in this. They do. Yeah. And there's, there's sex. There's sex. There's like allusions to nudity. Yeah. 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 Better um, off. Yeah, Although so. I'd have access to it if it was on We'd Disney+. Plus, be, We would have watched it by now. Imagine. All right, so this leaves you to recap the first episode of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which has been around for a few weeks now, I yeah. think. Um, but it seemed like the natural spiritual sister show yes. to High Fidelity. I feel that way less now. Yeah. But uh, you can recap the first episode in three, two, one, go. Nora is a coder in the bay. Uh, her father is dealing with a crazy neurological disorder. She is trying to get a new job, and she's not feeling that well, so she goes for an MRI. When she goes for the MRI, an earthquake happens while she's listening to a Spotify playlist, and um, when she comes out, she's hearing songs that other people are singing and kind of communicating uh, through the, them in, uh, with, with songs. Uh, the guy at her work is singing Mad World because he's depressed about his wife dying or his dad dying. His dad commits suicide. Com and so suicide. he's listening to a very suicidal song. Yeah. It, which first kind of indicates that he himself is suicidal. Right. So the songs, she's basically reading people's minds. She can see into their souls, but through pop songs. Yeah. And so when she, when people are just like openly singing songs, only she can see and hear that. Right. You know how when you don't feel well, you go for an MRI? Right. Well, she was worried about a neurological disorder, which I got. I'm yeah. not quite sure what got her to this. What uh, flight of, of ridiculousness got her to uh, hearing songs in her head because she was in, a, in an MRI machine. It's a superhero the origin story. She's li there's literally a, a lab, a freak lab accident, and now she has a superpower. She can read people's minds. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, that's fine. Uh, I found it to be a uh, non-consensual glee. Like people are singing at yeah. her and she's trying to escape it. I thought it was a little bit more like that show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. With a, with a bit of a Ugly Betty flavor. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, she's she's kind of hapless and and um, cheeky. She's like she's like plucky. Right. But but she's awkward and 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 now she's like coming to terms with her feelings, which is kind of the character that Jane Levy always plays. And I actually like her as an actress. I think you know who she is? Yeah, she's been in other stuff. She was in that show uh, Sub Suburgatory. Oh, um, I don't know her. And that was like pretty well liked. And uh, she's been in like she's kind of played side things on a ton of shows. Yeah. Uh, and I think she's probably going to start singing in this too. Like she seems like someone who is probably a classically trained Broadway actor. I guess the friend on the show who ends up falling in love with her at the end the pitch perfect guy yeah yeah uh who you kind of think is the gay friend through the whole thing i think you're i guess you're supposed to be tricked into that or no no okay that was a weird take by me then. that's not what i found he was kind of the same guy in in pitch perfect though he's just like it's super nice right and he's off to the friend, side friend zone guy yeah i guess um anyway 
she what do you think of the songs that they sang well this is my <laughs> problem because high fidelity makes such a point of chastising people who define their personality by the songs they like right and like this is this is this is a show that just creates personalities out of the poetry of someone else's work and so yeah. like you're having a really hard day so you are help by the beatles yeah and you're all help by the beatles everyone on the street <laughs> is helped by the beatles or what a man or whatever the other song was like the, the songs like, were, i think i love you by the monkeys like right why are we using a oh yeah all i do is win like oh my god it was so cringy that was awful and this is the thing like some of the show is good like the actors are it's actually a great cast we have um mary steenburgen is the yeah. mom i love everything mary steenburgen uh laura um lauren graham is the boss and she actually doesn't work for me at all no. which i never thought i would say about lauren graham um but the themes are good. The stuff about the sick dad is is really sweet. Mm -hmm. The stuff about Simon, the coworker, who's also got grief. That's I buy it. But the songs are so cringy. They're unwatchably cringy. Right. And and it's supposed to be that the songs that are happening are never really happening. I I find that strange. Has a even just following the show. Like okay, what was he actually doing in the time where that entire song yeah. was happening? <laughs> <laughs> you were like standing there and corresponding. Like in That's So Raven when she'd have a vision and then she'd come back and they'd be like, are you in there? Hello, hello. Yeah, you right. Just, yeah, at least, that, at least That's So Raven. They acknowledged paid, it. Paid attention to the yeah. essential that's, continuity. That's the kind of continuity I expect from a <laughs> show like this. At least that's all right. But that was a that was a similar criticism I had of Glee. Is it's they they're like singing through their problems with songs that someone else wrote. Like I mean, we all get that from music, but right. like I don't know, they're just so obvious. Like this woman on the street is lonely, so she's singing Eric, Eric Carmen all by myself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the most on the nose. It's so on the nose, right? Also, the MRI tech has Apple Music, Spotify, and Google Play Music. Yeah, he's like, what do you want to hear? I got it all. <laughs> you don't need all those things. She's like, I don't care. Is she supposed to be like anti-music the whole time too? It seems like yes. she's completely indifferent towards music, but yeah, now so her she has, world might be... She has this annoying neighbor yeah. who like sings too loud and she finds that irritating. Mm -hmm. And then the she has headphones in and the neighbor is like, what are you listening to? And she's like, my music. And then she puts it on and it's like an NPR podcast or something. Right, yeah about coding oh right about coding yeah so let's talk about uh peter gallagher who plays her dad as soon mm -hmm. as i see peter gallagher and he is non-verbal <laughs> he's had like a stroke or something yeah and we're like um, interesting choice <laughs> i was like why'd you cast this actor who's got a good he's like delivers a good monologue right. he plays a great dad we all know this yeah. about peter gallagher yeah and uh he's not gonna talk and then as soon as she started to be able to read people's brains i was like oh he's gonna You're sing like oh what's the song they're gonna choose and that was also like what what song was that? It, it was, was True Colors by Cindy Lauper. Yeah, come on. So man. a couple a couple of things here. Um, one, if you haven't been able to talk to your dad in a year and you're worried about him all the time and you're heartbroken that he had this horrible affliction and then suddenly you can see into his soul and he's singing you True Colors by Cindy Lauper, right. you're gonna have a little more than a single tear and a tiny smile on your face. Yeah, your knees will buckle. Right, you'll be on the ground bawling. Yeah. It's over. Right. Here's the other thing. No disrespect to Peter Gallagher. Dude can't sing at all. <laughs> He's a terrible singer. And we could have cast Victor Garber and he would have sung it just fine. <laughs> Victor Garber. Good, yeah. Good pull. Diabetic. <laughs> well, that's what I really want. Yeah. Equal opportunity uh -huh. casting. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He obviously was like, you know what? This would be a huge departure. I'm going to sing. They were like, you know what? He's a huge star. Let's put him in. And it was a little weird. Well, and everyone else is auto-tuned. Why didn't you auto-tune Peter Gallagher? <laughs> auto-tune him singing true colors like the annoying colleague who sings all i do is win he, that's not a real voice yeah you're right he should have sung like uh like i'm in love with a stripper or something like <laughs> t-pain something that's just super auto-tuned i also hate um he should have been singing help if yeah, anyone seriously. needs help like tv show workplaces that are just so sunny and, uh, yeah. and clean and, right. and urban and i just i find them so ridiculous yeah also what was the the like weird guy who was um constantly making jokes about like her getting margaritas with the boss like what's this guy was he deal? making was he like was he like virtue signaling is that what he was doing he's like isn't it cool that you're like a woman was wasn't that the gag uh yeah maybe maybe it was that maybe it was just that like hey know. you like i feel weird that you're like the one woman working as a coder and that our boss is a woman and like right. obviously you guys are gonna team up together there's one or two too many people in this show 
Because she also has a brother who doesn't really add anything to it. Right. Oh, and then, by the way, they go sailing. And she's like, we should go sailing. And they're like, I don't think that's a good idea. Your dad's so sick. And then she convinces them to go sailing. And then he kind of comes back a little bit. And he grabs his wife's hand. Yeah. Which I, I started to wonder, like, is that a thing that can ever happen? I mean, maybe it is. Are they ever explicit about what his no, illness is? No, a rare neurological disorder is how oh. they describe it. Oh. So maybe he'll, like, come out of it. Yeah, he's going to rally. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, come on. He's got another wind in him. Who knows? I like that they sat him down in front of the TV. I was like, I wonder if I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, like, taking in some content. Right. You know? Well, he might as well. He's just singing Cindy Lauper in his head. What else? <laughs> he's been he's had that song stuck in his head for so long. Just so I've just been dying up. to sing this to his daughter. Yeah. yeah, we were you were you were expecting him to hug her at some point though. I, I always mean. wonder about the royalties of of these shows. Like, do they? Because like yeah, the, you're going with the Beatles off the top. Like yeah, but like and I know that Glee was like a big hit, but they must have spent a few bucks on song rights. Yeah, and I know it happens in pilots or whatever. Like you'll hear like a. A Rolling Stones song in the pilot of something, and then they'll only use canned music for the rest of the series. Yes. Like, I don't know how High Fidelity is going to fund it going forward. <laughs> I imagine they do all original songs in this infinite playlist thing. But so. maybe that's the loophole. Maybe that's the way around it. If they cover them, it's it's right. easier to afford. Yeah. 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 It's That's a good question. A good question. Like, I, I did find the refreshing thing about... Um, about high fidelity was they were going with some weird music throughout but that's that's classic for high fidelity yeah, exactly. he's like as it should be he's a music snob and he knows all kinds of inside right stuff. right what did you think of the uh the friend in high fidelity who is also the ex-boyfriend uh yeah i like that character kind of worked i mean those two like the wacky twosome who she works with at the record store are just straight out of the movie yeah except john cusack hadn't dated one of them right they kind of just showed up one day and never really left Right, exactly. They're both supposed to be like now, part-time workers. Are they going to create a plot line where she has to um, curate some kind of CD launch for some show for some band that she's helping to to put on the scene? And I don't her, think so. her friend, because this is the plot in the movie, right? Where Jack Black wants to sing at the show, and he's like, "You're not going to sing at the show. You're a terrible singer." And then he realizes mm-hmm. in the end, he can sing. Let's get it on. Like, are right. we going to have something with her coworker where she actually proves to be not just talk? Right, and and if if Lisa Bonet doesn't exist in this universe. Does Lenny Kravitz also not exist? Can she not talk about any Lenny Kravitz albums? But would this character <laughs> like Lenny Kravitz? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I think it'd be a really weird take for her to have any opinion on Lenny Kravitz, actually. She would want to get away, want to fly away. Right. Like, uh, what was that first album that he did? It's so weird because Lenny Kravitz is kind of like the strangely more commercial dave Cur- dave girl yeah like the I guy who that the guy who started just like oh i'm gonna play every instrument i'm gonna like rock this out right well and also he's like a sex symbol in a way that dave girl never was yeah like leather pants galore dave girl never accidentally <laughs> left his fly undone on stage and kind of had the yeah you know. is that a thing that happened with lenny kravitz yeah you this was like the in the last is that like a defining lenny kravitz the, moment in the last five years this is like the biggest thing that happened with lenny kravitz oh. where his, well besides like, the scarf don't forget the the infinity scarf he famously wore which you could wrap around the statue of liberty oh okay oh, you got to see also, lenny kravitz's scarf i man. will i will look that up oh yeah but it couldn't distract i guess from his dong coming sure out <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in the show like at good. a concert people were good. like whoa well this whole family has a history with nudity because lisa bonet was famously naked on rolling stone yeah What's Zoe and Zoe Kravitz was kind of naked and she was naked in this the show. show. Yeah. Yeah. They're very free. Wow. He, I mean, he could turn up in the show too as her dad, like stunt casting. Like that could happen. That would be cool. It ain't over till it's over. Her name's Rob Kravitz. <laughs> Why is her name Rob? What is that going to turn out to be? I don't know. I mean, it's like, the character's name and they've yeah. obviously like they actively chose to name her Rob. I'm okay with that. Honestly, I sure. think, I think it's kind of a cool choice. Yeah. What like, it, it'll be weird if they ever explain it like her name's like roberta oh i guess it would be yeah, yeah i didn't even thought of, i couldn't i was racking my brain for a <laughs> for a traditionally female name that could be yeah. rob short oh, okay that's what it is i don't need to know then sure yeah there a name exists that it could be shortened i give my s to, to high fidelity i don't to zoe and and really it's not it's not meritless i didn't hate it yeah but i didn't love it jen actively had to leave she yeah made her very uncomfortable it's the singing that's yeah. that's really my only problem and they really want to do the singing i mm-hmm. think 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're really set on the singing part. Yeah. So um, speaking of curating uh, musical events, Will Smith is uh, touring a music festival. Okay. And normally that would he's, be fine. He's got his own music festival. He's creating, he's curating and producing a music festival and it is touring, in fact, to Montreal. So it's not like right. a destination thing, but like it's like a bunch of acts, like A-list, Supreme acts. Yeah. Will Smith is in charge of this thing. Willapalooza? Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it so much. But in the last couple of years, we've had celebrities get behind a music festival and that not go so well. Ja Rule. Ja Rule. Yeah, right. The fire festival. Right. So this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is this a Will Smith fire festival situation? Hmm. Hmm. I want to say probably. Probably. It's probably going to crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Or it's not. And he's going to somehow make off with all the profit. He's going to abscond with the bread. Right, with the bread, just like in Aladdin. Exactly. This is the plot of Aladdin too. That's right. He's <laughs> one step ahead of the bread line. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better way to finish than that. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs>